What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Saturday night, as I am recording this, uh, kind of in between uh, all the All-Star festivity stuff. I'm not, I'm not super into it this year, not necessarily feeling like watching a whole bunch, uh, just because I think it's... Uh, it's fine. Like, Denver doesn't have a ton of participants, but I did want to mention the couple that they do. Uh, Bones Highland in the Rising Stars game, and then Nikola Jokic in the All-Star game, and just being able to watch both of those guys as they continue on their basketball journeys in their respective points. And so I'll talk about that in the first segment. Obviously not going to talk about Jokic's All-Star game because that hasn't happened yet, uh, but I do want to just mention some of the moments that we've we've had from his overall all-star experience while also just kind of checking in on on the all-star festivities in general. And then in the second segment, uh, I'm recording this on February 19th, which is Nikola Jokic's birthday. And I wanted to have the opportunity to go over my 10 favorite Nikola Jokic moments throughout his career. And I think that this would be uh, just a nice, fun, lighthearted podcast as we are in the middle of the All-Star game and and kind of the break festivities. I didn't want to go away entirely, but I do want to uh, just drop this podcast so that people can have an opportunity to uh, listen to some positive Nuggets content. So without further ado, let's get into it with Bones Highland as a rising star. Now, Bones wasn't in the initial uh, selection of the the rising star game and a lot of that I think had to do with uh, not necessarily being good enough but I think because they changed the format a little bit uh, there are 28 players uh, four of them are from uh, the G League Ignite team from what I understand and I didn't actually watch I didn't watch the rising stars game I, I did see some of the highlights after I saw the the formats and whatnot but uh, Bones was a late inclusion uh, broken the news broken by Monte Morris after he hit his game-winning buzzer beater against Golden State, which is pretty cool. But he broke that Bones was going to be in the Rising Star game, uh, which is nice because he absolutely deserves that. He deserves for what he's doing for a team that has playoff aspirations. Uh, there are very few players in the NBA or rookies in the NBA that are on teams where they are in situations where they have to win, where their minutes are going to be so questioned and evaluated and analyzed to the degree that a lot of other rookies get to play through their mistakes. Bones hasn't really had that opportunity in Denver. He's had to just be flat out better than some of these other options, and and to a degree he has. I think that he's a little bit different 
then players like Faku, players like Bryn Forbes, players like uh, Austin Rivers and whatnot. But there have been times where Bones has just been a flat-out better player and been what Denver has needed with his off-the-dribble scoring and playmaking and ambitious shooting. Uh, it's one of those things that it's tailor-made for a rising star game, tailor-made for this situation as, as a player who can showcase his abilities and his his utter self-confidence. It's just, it was clearly shown in the Rising Star game from, from the highlights that I was watching from the uh, the overall moments. Uh, but it was nice to watch what Bones Highland was able to do, what he was able to put out there. Really put on a show on the team uh, coached by Gary Payton and had a lot of positive endorsements from that experience too. Just being around a whole bunch of legends, being around rookies that are in his same class He's surrounded by players that have gone through this experience, and he gets to go through it with them. It's not like he missed out on this experience. This is going to be really valuable, I think, where he's a player who is built on confidence, who's built on self-belief. And no matter how small he is, no matter uh, the situation that he's in, the skill set, he's going to find a way to get it done, and he's going to do it in his own way. And watching him and watching some of the highlights in that game, you could really see how he relished in that moment, how he's a player who really takes advantage of the spotlight, likes what he's got, and I want him in my corner for sure. He just seems like a nugget for a long time, somebody the Nuggets are going to want to have around, because as he continues to get better, I have no doubt that he's going to learn so many tricks and tidbits and little pieces of information about the NBA and how to best score, how to best create for himself and others, that he's going to be a player that you're going to want on your team because he can win a playoff game for you. He's one of those guys that even when the well runs dry for other people, he's going to have an opportunity to go off. And I love that. It may not be best suited as a starter. It may not be best suited to be, um, like, unless he gets to star level, then it's going to be hard to be a massive contributor on the Denver Nuggets because they're going to need other things other than his scoring. But his scoring is going to develop. I think that's pretty clear based off of what we've seen so far this year for him and just what we've seen so far of, of him and players like him. He's just a guy who is going to get better because of how much physically he can get better in an NBA weight room, uh, in a strength and conditioning program that's going to put him into the best positions where he can develop his body to really hang with the rigors of the NBA. So I'm looking forward to his entire career. I think this is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And whether he plays a whole bunch in, the sec- in this next part of the season uh, with Jamal Murray's impending return, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how this is going to be handled. But if I were the Nuggets, I would keep trying to play him as many minutes as I can and just continue to develop him because he's a player that could win a playoff game legitimately. And there are very few players, young rookies in the NBA that I think you can say that about right now. So really looking forward to it. Other things at the all-star game, which aren't really things, but I wanted to use it as an excuse to kind of talk about this. Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Luka Doncic. I think 
Those are three players in the NBA that are going to serve as the game's ambassadors for the next decade. Jokic just turned 27 today, as I mentioned. Uh, Giannis is, I think, 27 now. Luka is much younger than those guys. He's like 22, 23, but he's already in the club. I think that's pretty clear. Uh, He and those three are all connected together, where they're all international guys who grew up away from the NBA, away from the United States. They know what the game is about. They're all about... Uh, not necessarily like the glitz and glamour of it, but they're about the team play. They're about the game. They're about winning. And the competition of it, I think, is pretty cool. And the way that they play the game, I think, is it's not drastically different. Or for Jokic, it is. But it's not it's not drastically different from how Americans play the game. But I think the way that they have connected uh, with their teams and with their cities... And with other players, I think it goes to show that there is a new fraternity being built in the NBA that is centered around international stars. And they are going to be welcoming in all of the new talent into the NBA that comes from abroad. And maybe Joel Embiid and and Pascal Siakam and guys like that can join in on this as well. Um... But specifically with Jokic, Giannis, and Luka, they seem to all have a really good relationship with each other. And they're good friends, being like they've they've all spoken about this before, that being international players gives them a connection because they sort of understand what each other is going through. And so I wonder as the game continues to experience some globalization here, as the NBA tries to tap into markets in China, uh, in just in the far corners of the earth, frankly, I do think that Jokic, Giannis, and Luka are going to be three pillars of that that are going to be so important for the league. And there will still be American players that are going to drive a lot of that conversation too. But like Jokic has won the he's won the last MVP. Giannis won the previous two. Luka is a future MVP winner. I think that's pretty clear. We're experiencing kind of a golden age of international stardom. And seeing all of those players play together on the all-star stage, it leads me to think that maybe they play together in the NBA one day. Maybe they don't. But I do think that their mentalities, uh, their kind of code of conduct, code of ethics, whatever you want to talk about, however they live by I think that's going to really set the tone for the NBA going forward, that it's going to be less about the drama. It's going to be less about the glitz and the glamour. Uh, It was an MJ league for a while, right? Where everybody either like you have MJ and he was the king of everything. And then for the next eight to 10 years, you had a whole bunch of players that wanted to be MJ. And they all kind of went through their own individual routines of that. And there are some players that kind of worked in contrast to that, like like a Tim Duncan or a Dirk Nowitzki or whatnot. Uh, but they were, they were still kind of in that same vein. Uh, LeBron obviously changed things and, and brought about the player empowerment era. Steph, I think, changed the game from a uh, tactical standpoint, but also a joy standpoint about having fun 
on the court and being ambitious. And I think that when you get to Jokic, Giannis, and Luka and how they continue to drive the narratives now as three of the five best players in the NBA in all likelihood, I do think that you start to get to the heart of basketball again, where a lot of this has been dramatized. A lot of it has been pushing individual agendas. Those three don't have individual agendas, in my opinion. They're just playing the game. And from every everybody you talk to about it, from everybody you hear about it from, it just seems like those three are going to be pillars of this next generation. And I do think that's going to have a positive impact on the game. And hopefully it has a positive impact on the league as a whole because there's a lot of drama. The player movement era is also a part of this. A lot of people talking about Giannis and where he was going to go in free agency before he signed his Supermax and won a title. Nobody's talking about Jokic's Supermax, which I think is interesting. They honestly seem like it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to come back to Denver. And that's probably because it's true. There's a lot of people that think about Luka and and where he would want to go, but I, I tend to think that it's going to be more or less the same thing. Where maybe Luka decides he wants to choose to go somewhere else. That could still happen if if Dallas doesn't correctly build around him. But I do think that with those three, it's less about the dramatics and it's more about being pillars for your team, being pillars for your community. And I love that. I think that that's fantastic and the game needs more of that. They need to prioritize that going forward. Just my opinion. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to go over uh, my 10 favorite Nikola Jokic moments of his career. We'll be right back. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by the greatest sponsor of all time, DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. There are so many great deals for Hoops fans. And even though we're in the All-Star break, there are going to be some props. They're going to, like, You can absolutely bet on the All-Star MVP. And there are going to be a lot of opportunities to take some bets on which team's going to win, Team LeBron, Team Durant. But even when we get back to the regular season, there are going to be some great deals that are too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs 360 windmill good, where new customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. DraftKings is also offering same-game parlays if you bet on a game you can combine multiple get multiple bets, excuse me, from the same game and get a bigger payout because the more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So if you go download DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code MHS. Bet just $1 on any NBA team. Get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code MHS. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700.
Alright, welcome back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Uh, second segment, final segment on this shorter podcast. Uh, I wanted to be able to uh, just talk to people about Nikola Jokic and celebrate uh, the King of Denver, somebody who I think is going to be with the Nuggets for a long, long time. And I think that in his seventh season, it's tough because like this is now, we're now in the situation where if he doubled the amount of time that he was with Denver now, he would be in year 14 or somewhere around there where that's a lot of time. That's a lot of seasons with the same team. So I want to take this opportunity on his 27th birthday to talk about some of my favorite moments of Nikola Jokic, to celebrate what he's accomplished already, uh, where the Nuggets are, are right now, and how big of a part he has been in some of the brightest moments for the team. It's been awesome. Uh, one of the things that I did earlier today, too, was I, I went on to basketball reference and I looked up the, the stats that Jokic has accumulated so far in his career. And good Lord, it's pretty insane. Um, he has 9,712 points. Only 28 other players, or no, only 42 other players have scored as much as Nikola by age 27. So if he continues at the same pace, you could say he's a top 43 scorer in the NBA. That's pretty cool. Same thing for rebounds, where only 28 other players have rebounded as many as Nikola's 5,155 rebounds. That's insane. 28 other players, so he's a top 29 rebounder. And here's the kicker. For a center, not even like not even for centers, for a league-wide, Jokic has assisted on 3,107 baskets. Only 23 other players in NBA history have assisted as much as Nikola Jokic by age 27. And I bring this up, not necessarily like, it's it's more about the versatility of a player like Nikola, because there are a lot of players that will specialize in one of these areas, whether it's uh, scoring, whether it's rebounding, whether it's passing. Because Jokic does all three, it's what makes him so special. It's why the triple doubles are such a big deal for him, not necessarily from a like a, a counting stat standpoint, but from an overall impact standpoint, he impacts the game in so many other ways. And those numbers that I brought up, the 9,712 points, 5,155 rebounds, 3,107 assists, no other player in NBA history has accumulated that number, those three numbers by age 27. You have to do all of them. No other player has done so. I didn't check to see who else was close. I assume Larry Bird was probably close, but when Jokic came into the league, he was still pretty young. He wasn't like playing a whole heck of a lot because he started for a while, then came off the bench, but wasn't really the focal point that he was until about his third season. And so you start getting into that, and man, three, four, five, six, seven seasons, he's about had about five seasons of being the focal point, and this is what he's done. He's been magnificent so far in his career, and I want to celebrate that. So let's talk about my 10 favorite moments of Nikola Jokic. Honorable mention, start with this, December 15th, 2016. Everybody knows this date if you're a Nuggets fan. Everybody know, everybody that cares about the Nuggets knows about this day where Denver decided to go away from Yusuf Nurkic uh, and Kenneth Fareed in the starting lineup, and they went with Nikola Jokic, among other folks. 
And this was the right call, obviously. Like, duh, big, biggest duh statement. But even before, like, it was a big lead up leading up to that, where Denver was 9-16. and 16. They had been playing well with their bench unit, but hadn't been playing well with their starters. So they decided to go back to Nikola Jokic and never really looked back from there. Everything else has been just super positive when talking about the Joker. Number 10. I'm including a loss, and you're probably like, why are you including a loss, Ryan? Well, this was game 82 against the Minnesota Timberwolves, where it was a loss, and Jokic had some of his uh, weaknesses in pick-and-roll defense really exposed in this loss, but he still scored 35. He absolutely matched and outplayed Carl Anthony Towns in a do-or-die moment for the Nuggets. And leading up to this, Jokic had been just on fire, absolutely cooking. Uh, Whether Murray was out with him, whether Barton was helping, whether Millsap was helping, it was really just Nikola who was great every single time. It was just fantastic. And it was such a big deal um, that he was able to get this to this point. And he really arrived in that moment, I think, where everybody including the Nuggets and on their staff, was like, okay, we've got somebody special here who stepped up in the biggest moments, was very, very um, impactful. And they didn't know fully what they had until that moment, I think. Then they started to realize. Number nine, when Nikola Jokic put up 40 points in Madison Square Garden in his second season, um... This was a big, big moment. This was fantastic for Denver. Jokic was compared to Kristaps Porzingis all the time. This was back in 2017 or somewhere close to it, where Jokic and Porzingis being compared by a whole bunch of people. Porzingis obviously in the limelight all the time. You had to pay attention to Jokic to really know just how good he was. And a lot of people didn't know who he was. And this performance, I think, put him on the map for a lot of people, where he had some other good moments too. But this one, going against Porzingis, going against, I think, Taj Gibson, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there were a lot of fantastic performances from Nikola early in his career. But this one stands out the most because it was in a high-profile building against a player he was compared to often. And I remember this one fondly where he's still being dimed up by Emmanuel Moutier in this in these highlights and Jameer Nelson and guys like that. He was doing some incredible things even then. Number eight. This was in 2018, where Denver was blowing out the Cleveland Cavaliers. And during the game, I don't remember exactly, I think it was like late third quarter or something like that. Jokic catches the ball on a switch And it just so happens that the player he's caught on is LeBron James. And Jokic is in the post. He has an opportunity to uh, pass the ball out, to face up, to do anything that he wants to. But instead, he challenges LeBron, goes right at him, backs him down, makes a couple good uh, post dribbles, gets himself into position, a little shimmy shake, and drops the jump hook over the outstretched arm of LeBron. And to me, this is a really defining moment for Nikola's career where he said, I'm not afraid of you. This isn't, this isn't a guy that is going to be bullied 
by anybody. He stood up to the challenge, and after the fact, he, uh, I don't know if it was a joke or if he was like, yeah, no, this is real. Uh, he said this was a mismatch against LeBron James, of all people. That's hilarious, and I wanted that on this list because I think it's just a massively important uh, piece of Nuggets history where that moment that leaves um, that just leaves a lot of people um, in a good position where you think about him as, as one of the best players in the league, going up against the best player in the league at the time. And so it was pretty cool to see. Number seven, we're going to go with a moment from this year where I don't. I was thinking about all the moments that Denver has had so far this year, and nothing really stands out from Joker's games other than this one that I think should make this list because uh, everything's been tough. Everything's been a slog for a little bit, but the one thing that has not been a slog uh, was this game against the Los Angeles Clippers where Nikola Jokic puts up 49 points, 14 rebounds, 10 assists, and that last assist came against uh, a double team at the top of the key, or kind of on the right wing, where Jokic is just being harassed. Clock is winding down. You have no idea what's going to happen. Jokic patiently waits for the team to move and then fires an absolute dart over the top of outstretched arms right into the waiting uh, shooting couch, shooting pocket of Aaron Gordon in the far left corner. It was a far pass, an absurd pass, and it led to that game-winning shot by Aaron Gordon for the Nuggets in overtime. And it's one of those that you're just going to remember for a long, long time because Yoke was in an impossible position, and he could have handled it poorly, but he didn't. Instead, he handled the double team deftly, and just delivered a strike because he couldn't be less bothered by the moment. It's just another game to him. It's just another opportunity to create an open shot for another teammate. And to do so in that moment, in that manner, was really, really impressive. Number six, back in 2019, when Yoke was just having his uh, breakout this might have been 2020 as well. I can't actually remember. Um, but against the Dallas Mavericks, Jokic was having a bad game on national TV, had like 10 points, something absurd, where the rest of the team was really picking him up. Paul Millsap, I remember vividly, was picking him up. Uh, but Luka Doncic goes down the middle of the lane against a switch on Mason Plumley when they sub Jokic out of the game defensively. Uh, and he hammers the ball down on top of Paul Millsap and Mason Plumlee for an and one. Misses the free throw, if I'm not mistaken. And because he missed the free throw, Denver had an opportunity with about five seconds left to inbound the ball, put themselves into a position where they could make a game winner. And Jokic is the one who catches the ball on the left wing, dribbles it to the middle of the floor, leans to his right, Fires up a f- and just kind of flips up a shot over Dwight Powell and hits it nothing but bottom uh, at the buzzer. It was his first big buzzer beater of his career, and he's had others, and they're they're on this list. I'm going to talk about a couple next year, 
But I do think that this was the one that I remember when I think about what Jokic can do when you ask him to go get a bucket. He can do that, even if it's as a guard, even if he's kind of in a situation where he's playing center and then then you ask him to go catch the ball, go handle the ball and dribble into the lane. It's crazy. That was back in, I think, either 2019 or 2020. Can't remember, but uh, the highlight of that is really impressive and just a, a fantastic showing for Nicola. Number five, back-to-back game winners over Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns in 2020. Or this might have actually been 2019, like late 2019. But this was a... This was my first year as site manager. This was a massive, massive opportunity for Jokic against two of the other prime MVP candidates, prime, uh, not MVPs, but like like young centers in the NBA that he was constantly compared to. Kind of like the Porzingis comp in Madison Square Garden against the Knicks. This was a situation where Jokic made back-to-back winners over Joel Embiid. And then Carl Anthony Towns in a span of two days. Like, just one of those massive things that you kind of forget happened because a freaking pandemic has happened between now and then. But it's just one of those things that kind of gets lost to the world where ball gets rotated out to Jokic and he kind of has to flip up a wild shot against the Philadelphia 76ers, makes it. Complaints to the refs the entire time. Two days later, goes against Carl Anthony Towns into the post, hits a turnaround fadeaway right before the buzzer, and then goes and complains to the ref too. Uh, meanwhile, he's just made two of the wildest shots that a center has ever hit like in back-to-back stretches. And he's just so completely unbothered in those situations. It wasn't a big deal to him. It was just him making a play for his team. And I love it. I think that he gets to show his shooting touch, his his skill. Uh, He's shown it in drastically different ways, even on this list. Uh, But those shots were so, so big. Number four on this list is another game winner, but it comes with a an additional 30 points against Rudy Gobert and then a game-winning shot in Game 7 versus the Utah Jazz where Denver goes to the post in a Game 7, best post scorer versus best post defender, and Jokic wins the battle because he's that good. Denver had been struggling to score all game. They only scored 80 points against the Utah Jazz in a Game 7. But Jokic had 30 of them. He scored those pretty efficiently too and has just continued to show how brilliant he can be uh, in taking over for a key moment where Jamal Murray had been the alpha for much of that series, where he had been the, the lead scorer in several of those games and Jokic was the guy who was kind of riffing off of him. But it became clear in that game seven that Denver had to default back to Jokic doing Jokic things. And he did. He stepped up in the biggest moment, hit a game-winning shot, and goes down in history as one of those picturesque moments where Jokic fires up the jump hook over an outstretched Rudy Gobert's arms. 
It was pretty fun. He also spun into that shot too, where he's just like leaning away from the contest of Rudy Gobert to get it over him. And it drops perfectly through the middle. Number three. This is one of those moments that I think people forget. People don't really, like, it, it, it just happened to. So it's like, it's not one of those that people should be forgetting. But demolishing Yusuf Nurkic and the Portland Trailblazers in game six on the road to close out the Blazers and basically start the process of blowing up that team. Wowza. I mean, I think he had 33 points, eight rebounds, six assists in that game. And I just watched the highlights. If you are looking to go on a Jokic binge, go watch those highlights of him absolutely taking it to Yusuf Nurkic, Robert Covington, and any blazer that is unfortunate enough to face him. He was in complete control and dominated that game. And some of the shots that he gets against Yusuf Nurkic, there's one where he dribbles into a contested three with like six minutes left to go in a game where they needed to have that shot. Gosh, it was just pretty. Just just so many amazing shots from the MVP. And then the last shot in that highlight was an assist where he draws multiple defenders, kicks it out to a wide open Aaron Gordon who hits the dagger. It was really cool to watch. So go rewatch game six against the Trailblazers if you're looking for some positivity. It was a lot, a lot of fun. It's also a game where Michael Porter put up like 22 points in the first quarter. So if you're looking for some Michael Porter love too, that's another good one. Number two, raising the MVP trophy in front of his teammates. Uh, That was a really big moment. I was there in attendance for that game and it was a lot of fun to watch. Just him being able to appreciate the moment a little bit of what he was doing. And it was in the, like the reason this is not number one is this was in the midst of Denver being demolished by Phoenix. Uh, That was before game three. And then Denver lost game three and game four in pretty unspectacular fashion. But it was the accumulation of a whole bunch of fantastic Nikola Jokic moments from that year. There wasn't necessarily anything specific that you're looking at that I think stands out for, oh yeah, Jokic was the MVP because of this moment. But it was, like, so that's why this is the chosen moments. I I don't think there was anything specific that I can point to from last year. It was like, oh yeah, that was the MVP defining moment. And that's okay, because he just had accumulation of amazing moments and just a whole bunch of damn good ones. It was pretty cool to see. And so him being able to celebrate that, him being delivered that by um, his teammates and by his coaches uh, was a really, really big deal. So hopefully he sticks around for the long haul and hopefully wins another one in a couple months. That'll be cool. And number one, game seven versus the Clippers. This is a, this is a moment that I think a lot of people credit this one to Jamal Murray and rightfully so like, Jamal scored 40 points in game seven against the Clippers. Jokic played what I think is maybe his best game. And it wasn't from a scoring perspective. I think it was like six of 16 and scored 16 points or something like that. But 
This was the most in control I've ever seen Jokic in such a high moment, a high profile moment where the leverage of that game is so big. You you win or go home. And Denver was, they started off pretty badly, but you go back through the highlights of that one. You look at the possessions that they got. You look at how the Clippers defended Jokic and it was with the utmost respect. They knew they needed to get the ball out of his hands. And so they had to come up with some creative ways to try to double team him so that he wouldn't pick them apart. And he picked them apart anyway. He was in such control in that game. Had 16 points, 13 assists, 22 rebounds. That he knew he had to impact the game in very specific ways, and he did. He absolutely did. It was just one of his best performances I've ever seen. And some of the shots that he hit are insane. Some of the passes that he made are insane too. And he doesn't get enough credit for that moment in particular. I think a lot of people focus on the Clippers blowing it, but they couldn't stop Jokic. Like they could not do it. It was too impossible. Even when they put Kawhi Leonard on him, he would run Kawhi off of screens. He would post him up. He'd post up Paul George. Uh, No big deal against the MVP of the league. And he just made it work, no matter what they did. He was just in his bag all game. So I wanted to take this opportunity to go into some positivity, to be able to kind of look back on some of these amazing moments that Nuggets fans have had celebrating Nikola Jokic. And he's not done. He's definitely not done. I think that there are still more moments on the way this year and hopefully next year and many years to come. But it's important to be able to stop, smell the roses for a little bit and appreciate such an amazing talent in different ways. I can go into the stats all I want to, but I'm always going to remember him not because of the numbers, but because of the moments, because of how he impacted the game in so many visceral ways in such high-profile moments throughout his career. Like, he's had those moments. He is that guy. He's that dude. And I don't think he's treated like that, and I think that he should be. So, we're going to see. We're going to see what happens throughout the rest of this season, whether he wins another MVP or not, whether they go for a deep playoff run or not. I think this year... It should be about appreciating Nikola Jokic and what he's done rather than uh, anything else. It's just got to be about appreciation at this point. And and just what he's doing is insane. And I love it. I want to keep watching it for the rest of my life. And I will be very, very sad whenever he does, in fact, either retire or leave the Nuggets. Because there is so much brilliance in that player in this man that like you never know what you're going to get, but you're probably going to get something great. I think is a great way to describe him because he always delivers. You just never know how you never know when you never know to what degree, but you're going to get a show and he is the greatest show in the NBA right now. I genuinely believe that. 
That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Went for 40 minutes. Definitely not a, definitely wasn't expecting that, but either way, we're having a grand old time, and, and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this kind of abnormal time to record a podcast. Uh, this should have some uh, staying power, hopefully. So, uh, hopefully, this is one that you can go back to if you're if you're interested. If you want to catch up on those. 10 favorite Nikola Jokic moments, or send me your list if your list is different from mine, or if I missed one that you think needs inclusion. Uh, make sure to share those out with me. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll definitely be back on board next week. I'll start talking about the second half of the year. Talk to you guys very soon.